what's the worst case scenario for the Oklahoma Sooners entering 2022? I mean, we're pretty optimistic here, but maybe we shouldn't be. Let's talk about that on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation, and welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube, so go over there, hit the subscribe button, and hit the like button. Make sure you hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop as well. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can also read my work covering the Oklahoma Sooners over at thesoonerswire.com. And he's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday on 94.7 The Ref in Norman, as well as the KREF app worldwide. Josh, what's up, man? How you doing? What is going on? So I'm doing great, by the way. I hope you are as well. As, again, we are in game week, which obviously lifts everybody's spirits just a little bit, right? I mean, doesn't that just make you feel a a little bit brighter on a Wednesday morning? What what do you think about worst-case scenarios for Oklahoma? For me, when I see, for example, the Stuart Mandel prediction that was out there, the Cheez-It Bowl designation for Oklahoma, 5-4 and in Big 12 play, I mean – I'm hoping that that's about as bad as it can get for OU. I think for me, that would only happen if you suffered a serious injury at quarterback. I think the floor for this team is nine and three. And just missing the big 12 title game. I really think that the way that the schedule lines up, the talent that they've acquired through the transfer portal, the young guys that they've got coming up, I really think this is a 10 win team. And so, you know, if I'm going to look at this a little bit pessimistically, I would say nine wins and that's if everybody's even healthy, but maybe you just, you know, red river doesn't go your way. You know, that trip to Lincoln looks tougher than it does right now because they kind of rally and, and respond to the, all the criticism and their coach being on the hot seat. Maybe everything changes for them, you know, People are really high on Kansas State. Maybe that's a game that actually is tougher than what it looks like to me right now on paper. So, I mean, there's definitely ways that this season could turn. But, man, I just feel too good about this team to, to go as far as Stuart Mandel did at 7-5 and five and finish in, you know, fourth or fifth in the Big 12. I just think this is too talented of a roster, you know, from top to bottom that I think they're going to be at least a 10-win team. I think, for me, the worst-case scenario is 9-3. and three. You know, and a lot of it, again, has to do with the schedule like we've talked a lot about throughout the course of the offseason. The schedule got easier based off what we saw in week zero with Nebraska and Northwestern. It did. Uh, you know, for me, I do think you're kind of always a little bit on guard. And if we start talking about, well, what has you concerned for Oklahoma, what I'm about to say about Nebraska, you, you could turn around a little bit on Oklahoma here. I'm always on guard, John. When you have a program like Nebraska that brings on and will be counting upon 15 transfer portal additions, right? When that's one of the main talking points of the offseason, probably 
that's not the greatest sign, right? I mean, that's sweeping wholesale roster changes when you start talking about 15 different transfer portal additions that are going to be key members for you. I mean, that means that, I mean, if you just do the math on 11 plus 11, both sides of the football, that's almost a full 22 that is totally different for you that you're expecting to, to be legitimate contributors. So Oklahoma has a little bit of that going on out of the transfer portal. So that would be maybe cause for pause with Oklahoma. Maybe it's the crimson colored glasses though with OU. I just don't see their transfer portal additions being a negative for Oklahoma. I, I see a lot of what they've added as a transfer portal as being valuable and, you know, nice pieces to go along with what they already have. Somebody like a McCade Mataillier up front in, in that respect, you already felt really pretty good about what you had in the offensive line if those guys could keep developing. Now you add somebody like McCade Mataillier out of the transfer portal from Cal that started and played a lot of Power 5 football. That, that maybe has the different feel to three, five guys, right, that you add to the offensive line. It's kind of just been across-the-board ads for Oklahoma out of the transfer portal, so it, it makes sense and it doesn't feel like sweeping wholesale changes. But again, John, kind of with Nebraska, you saw, you know, sometimes that's not the best sign. And nationally, if I was somebody looking at Oklahoma, reasons for concern, I mean, that has kind of been a – that's been a familiar take, right, that, uh, well, there's a lot of new faces in Norman. Well, it's true. There are a lot of new faces, but if we go, you know, just on the offensive side of the football to start, I mean, your your key contributors are going to be Dylan Gabriel, Matayer, Daniel Parker Jr. Like, you know, okay, those are going to be your three most significant snap, you know, the guys that play the most significant snaps for you out of the transfer portal. And then on the defensive side, Jeffrey Johnson. I mean, Trey Morrison's going to play, but as we saw in the in, the initial death chart, he's not a starter. And so really you only have four guys that are going to start from for you out of the transfer portal. The rest of it is kind of the two deep, three deep guys. And I, and I think that bodes well for Oklahoma. There's more continuity and chemistry for the rest of the team where even though Jeffrey Johnson is listed as a starter in an or situation, the rest of the starting 11 has been here. They've been part of this team on the offensive side of the football, you still have three starters returning on your offensive line. And then Wanya Morris, who's been a part of this team, Dylan Gabriel starting at quarterback, but what else are you going to do? You lost two of your starting quarterbacks from last year. You had to go into the, the transfer portal market to get a starting quarterback. And we all feel really good about who he is and what he's going to be able to bring to the Oklahoma Sooners. And then you got Daniel Parker jr. Who's going to be the backup tight end to Braden Willis. And, is going to serve the Oklahoma Sooners well. Like this is a guy that is a really good blocking tight end, can make some plays in the red zone, has some nice hands, but he's your second tight end. So like you're not necessarily, aside from Dylan Gabriel, your left guard, McCade Mataillier, and Jeffrey Johnson, like those are the three guys that you're relying upon to, to start or play like a starter's amount of snaps. The rest of it is just kind of depth. And I, and I think that's, that's a good thing. That means that the guys that have been here, the highly regarded, you know, three, four or five star recruits that have been a part of this program, they're rising to the occasion and they took all of the additions and took them as challenges and they didn't succumb to the challenge. They rose above it and earned spots, you know, to start in this starting lineup. So I think that's a positive thing. Um, you know, our, our guy, Bakari Jackson commented over on the YouTube side to one of our recent videos. He said, 
y'all got to be humble, man. We're great, but we haven't earned anything this season. I edit it, Bakari, a little bit. So what is it going to take for you to start believing in this team? Like, At what point do you feel like, okay, this is a team that's arrived and we're not just talking hype? Great question. Great question, and probably I think one that we're going to revisit. We we hope we keep revisiting, right? I mean, if if it's okay, well, yeah, they're they're two and zero, they're three and zero, they're four and zero. When is this team great? Uh, I'll get to that. I do I do want to just backtrack quickly to just the very front here, the disaster scenario for Oklahoma. Just what you said, John. Like nine and three was your floor, right? I have a hard time. I'm, I'm with you. I have a hard time figuring out, like, how do I get to the four losses number for Oklahoma just looking at this schedule? Again, Nebraska, that's going to be a win on the road for Oklahoma. At TCU, I just I, – I don't feel that that's challenging, imposing enough on the road for Oklahoma. K-State, you get them at home. Baylor, you get them at home. Oklahoma State, you get them at home. Texas, okay, I'm not ready to say that Texas is beating Oklahoma right now. And you can kind of go up and down the schedule. Even the could-oh-you-lose games, Baylor, Oklahoma State, again, both in Norman. Kansas State, it's in Norman. Texas, I mean, do you feel really confident that the Longhorns are going to beat Oklahoma? I know that that rivalry game historically is close. I just, For me, it's really hard to get to that point to where there's four, five losses on the schedule. I think it's hard to find three losses on the schedule for Oklahoma. In terms of the when will this team be great, right? When will we know they've arrived in that sense, John? You know, past Texas, right? If you go, if you go through that opening stretch through Texas and Oklahoma has won those games comfortably at Nebraska, right? Like say whatever we want to we want to say about Nebraska and how disappointing they were in week zero. If you can go on the road, John, and dominate that football game, that, that's gonna be a statement made by Oklahoma because that's not what Oklahoma's done a lot of in recent memories, save for maybe that UCLA game, K-State, TCU, Texas. I mean, all of those games, if by the Texas game, you kind of smacked everybody around and you're still unbeaten, then for me, okay, am I going to say that this team's Alabama or Georgia or Ohio State? No, I'm going to still be slamming on my break a little bit in regards to that, but I'm going to think they're pretty doggone good. And if they're playing great defense, I'm going to think that it's different. And I think this is, the, the big question is what does this defense look like? Are they going to be able to make enough improvement to be a dominant group that allows them to look like a legit, you know, college football playoff contender, national title contender. And that's going to take us into our next segment where we're going to do a little buy or sell. We're going to talk about a couple of things that came out through the media. We'll react to them. We'll give you our thoughts. But first I want to talk to you about bet online. Bet online is the number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find out all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and this year's opening week odds. Oklahoma is still sitting at minus 31. According to bet online, it's the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline.net is where the game starts. All right, Josh, so a little buy or sell. Some of this is going to be coming based on what some of our friends over at USA Today wrote. So they had their top 10 quarterbacks for the 2022 season. Dylan Gabriel comes in at number eight. Just behind him... Spencer Rattler at number nine. So buy or sell Dylan Gabriel is a better option at quarterback 
than Spencer Rattler heading into 2022? I think I'm buying that, but I, I do like Spencer Rattler a lot. I think it's close between those two. Last year was just funky for whatever reason with Spencer Rattler. You know, the mobility thing, not that Dylan Gabriel's the, the most mobile guy back there, but I do think maybe he's a little bit more mobile than Spencer Rattler. I think that's going to, you know, swing that pendulum a little bit in Dylan Gabriel's direction. I like the leadership of Gabriel. Love the accuracy. Again, really, really like Spencer Rattler. I think he's going to have a terrific season at South Carolina. I don't think statistically he'll have the same season that Dylan Gabriel has at Oklahoma, in part because of the weaponry at Oklahoma. It's just better than South Carolina, but I think they'll both have good seasons. But if you ask me, you know, only take one of the two. Yeah, I'm taking I'm taking Dylan Gabriel. Yeah, I think I'm going to buy it too. And again, this isn't a, a knock on Spencer Rattler. I'd be really curious to see Spencer Rattler in this offense, though. You know, in something that's a timing-based offense that's going to get the football out of his hands quicker, it run a lot of RPO, a lot of read option, things like that. I think he would probably have been better served in an a up-tempo Jeff Levy style of offense where it allows him to get the ball out quick, use his accuracy, use his arm, and not re- rely so much on his legs uh, and or having him sit back in the pocket for you know three, four, five seconds at a time. Obviously, there were mistakes that he made that led to his benching. At the same time, I just keep looking back to that Kansas State game and how he was so efficient moving Oklahoma up and down the football field. And I will go to my grave wondering where that game plan went the rest of the season because we never saw it again. It just went in the back pocket and never saw the light of day. It was lost in the cave of wonders for you Aladdin fans. So, I, I, But I am buying Gabriel. The, the comparison he's gotten a little bit this offseason is Sam Bradford. I, I think I saw, I saw that somewhere, maybe from a, one of the older guys or one of the assistants. Just a guy that's like cool, calm, collected. He doesn't talk a lot. It's not, you know, look at me. Um, it's not leading by, you know, he's not a necess- as much of a vocal leader as maybe some others have been in the past. He's going to show you with his work ethic and what he does on the football field and the, in the meeting rooms and all that stuff. Not, not to say he's not a vocal leader because I imagine he is. And so I think what this team needed after everything that went down last December or into November last December, they needed somebody to kind of come be a calm, steadying presence for this team. And I think that's what Dylan Gabriel's been so far. And so, yeah, I'm going to buy Gabriel. Again, I think Spencer Rattler has a really good season for South Carolina. He's in a great situation for himself with Shane Beamer, his buddy Austin Stogner out there too. So I think it's going to go really, really well for them. Uh, and, and like you, I think statistically it won't be the same, but that won't mean that Spencer doesn't have a good season. All right, another buy or sell here. Marvin Mims goes over 1,000 yards receiving. Do you have his numbers from last year receiving-wise for me? I can get you them in five, four, three, two, one. I'm leaning zero. yes. So Marvin Mims in 2021, 32 receptions for 705 yards and five Okay, touchdowns. yeah, he, he's definitely going over. He, he's going over 1,000 yards. He's going to get force-fed the football in this Jeff Levy offense. I was just wondering how close he was in terms of the yardage from a season ago. John, I think he's going to double 
those reception numbers that you mentioned right there. He's the clear number one target for Oklahoma. And Jeff Levy historically does not mess around. He gets his number one target the football, or at least targets his number one target with the football, which uh, at times last year, you know, uh, scratching my head a little bit here. What the where the heck is Marvin Mims at? Why is he not getting targeted with the football? So yeah, I think uh, I don't know that he's just like flying way past a thousand yards. But if you tell me he was right there seven hundred or so last season, then yeah, I think he's going to add three and change to that. All right. So through the first nine games of the season, Marvin Mims had twenty six receptions for six hundred and five yards. Over the final four games of the season. He had just six catches for 100 yards. Just, again, four games and only six receptions. Ludicrous. Especially in games where you struggled offensively to not target your best playmaker. Un, it still baffles my mind. still boggles my mind. So I'm going to go – I'm going to buy that because I think you're right. He's going to get a lot of opportunities this year. But the dude also averages more than 20 yards per reception for a career or close to, I think it was maybe 19.5 yards per reception for his career. And that number is probably going to drop, by the way. Yeah, and it might. It might. But at the same time, he's such a playmaker, and he makes big plays down the football field that if he were to double his reception, say he gets 60 receptions and only averages 17 yards per reception, like that's going to get him there. That's going to get him over 1,000 yards. That should be very doable for Marvin Mims. I'm really liking – what he's going to be able to do for the Oklahoma Sooners in this offense. I think it's going to be kind of tailor-made for him. I was surprised to see him playing in the slot, but I think that's just going to create more opportunities for him. You know, he's going to be moved around in this offense to find favorable matchups. Last thing we're going to touch on in buy or sell, Josh, and this is going to be the one that kind of flies in the face of the what can go wrong for Oklahoma. Can they get through this season undefeated? Yeah, they can. I'm selling it though. I'm not going to buy that they do it. I, I really want to though, you know, on so many different broadcasting platforms, whether it's here on locked on Sooners on the radio side, on the rev, I, I've always cooked in one loss and I'm still going to, because I'm not brave, John, I'm not brave. I really think there's a chance they could go undefeated though. Am I crazy? Not at all. Well, we just talked about the schedule a little bit and I think this is a schedule that sets up well for him. There's not a game on it that to me is an automatic loss. You know what I mean? Like the games that I'm, I'm kind of penciling as the toughest at the moment are Baylor, Oklahoma state, Oklahoma state. Isn't the same Oklahoma state team we saw last year. Oklahoma really should have won that game, except their offense kind of went in the tank as their head coach was pondering future uh, endeavors uh, and then in the Baylor game, I mean, I think they were just out toughed. Like they were just out disciplined. You know, Baylor was the more physical team on both sides of the football. I don't think that's going to be an issue this year. If anything, the the one constant we've heard out of this coaching staff, especially on the defensive side of the football, is they want people to play violent and physical. And if you're not going to do that, you're not going to be on the field. That's like a standard for them. That's what they want. And so I don't think this year's Baylor game, which is going to be at home in Norman, is going to be a surprise for them. I mean, Baylor snuck up on a lot of people last year because they went from a two-win team to contending for the Big 12 title. That's not going to happen this year. Baylor's not sneaking up on anybody. So are they going to be able to kind of ride that top, top dog status into another Big 12 championship berth? 
we'll see. I think Oklahoma is going to be much more better, much more well prepared for this team uh, this season. So I, I'll, I'll be bold here and I'll say bye. I'm going to buy it. Oklahoma goes undefeated this season because there's not a game on the schedule that I'm like, that team is definitely better than Oklahoma. Hey, some bravery here on Locked On Sooners. Undefeated. I'll, I'll be wrong, I'm sure. There will be games where, because like you, I always cooked in one loss when I'm doing big, you know, my, my predictions for the 2022 season over at Sooners Wire. Because I'm like, okay, the homer in me definitely sees them going undefeated. Because where's the loss? Like, show me the definitive loss on the schedule. Texas is going to be a tough game, but they're starting three freshman offensive linemen this year. They lost one of their biggest weapons in Isaiah Naor. They're starting Quinn Ewers, who is you know getting his first taste of college football. That's to me, that's a tough game just because of the environment and the and the history of the matchup. But it's not that Texas is a better team than Oklahoma, and I could say that about anybody in the Big Twelve. Baylor definitely has the the better offensive and defensive lines, but as a team, I don't know that they're better than Oklahoma. And I'm sure I'll get, you know, chastised for this in the comment section. But again, I'll, I'll say, I'll put it out there. If they do what they're supposed to do and they're they're they do what we think they're capable of. This is a team that can go undefeated this year. Last thing we're going to touch on before we get out of here is just kind of our favorite things from the off season. It's game week. So we're getting ready for UTEP. We'll start doing more of that prep over the next couple of days, but Josh, what was one of your favorite moments from the 2022 offseason? Honestly, you know, thinking about this question to now getting the chance to answer it with you, I think it was everybody dunking on Oklahoma about their recruiting class just to get proven wrong literally like two weeks later. There was that groundswell of support right before the month of June that, oh, man, Brent Venables, he's got this commitment idea, and now all of a sudden nobody's buying into what Oklahoma's selling. And then, you know, two months later, we look up in Oklahoma. Oh, here they here they are. They're right on right on the doorstep of a top 10 class. Oh, my goodness. Here's Oklahoma. They're right on the doorstep of a top five class. And now, John, who knows where they're going to wind up with this recruiting class? I mean, it feels pretty safe that it's going to wind up a top five class. And maybe it ends up a top three class. So probably, honestly, for me, that's been the best part of the offseason. Uh, you know, I thought about spring game, but it's probably for me. It's getting dunked on in terms of the recruiting just for Brent Venables in this staff to come back and say, yeah, get out the pain. I'm coming through. Yeah, that's a great moment. And that's one we're going to get to continue to live is as Oklahoma, you know, lands more four and five star recruits, part of the 2023 class, we're going to get to continue to kind of put the, uh, the knife in the, uh, the side of that narrative for me, I'm going to go way back to December and it's that day that Brent Venables was meeting with Joe Castiglione and Joseph Harris out there in South Carolina. And we get reports that they're on a plane heading to Norman. And then just seeing the kind of the social media swell and the, the swell of support growing in Norman. And then the visual at the airport, when the planes, you know, coming in, you got the huge crowd out there, him on the plane, talking with the players, you're getting some of those videos out from the OU media people that whole day was just so fun. You know, the, the previous six, seven days were just like, I don't know. They're frustrating. You know what I mean? And to have that moment that day where it was like a celebration of kind of the next guy, it was, 
man, it felt, it was everything. And I think that's true for a lot of Oklahoma fans. Like as frustrating as the Lincoln Riley decision was the days after that, being a fan of this team, when everybody's just piling on and just, you know, dogpiling the Oklahoma Sooners. And then to have that day where it's like, you know, the hope springs eternal, the optimism returns, the energy is there, the fan base, the, the band, like we have the celebration of him, you know, coming to Norman in contrast to Lincoln Riley, like sneaking away from Norman to USC, you know, like, it was, it was just fun. It was so much fun. And then even the next day when they're having this big introductory, I don't even want to call it a press conference, but assembly is kind of the best way I can describe it. Pep rally. Um, it just the 24 hours from when, you know, the OU contingent went out to meet with Venables to bring him, bring him home. Um, that 24 hours after that was just so much fun. And, and I think that sparked a new life and a new energy a reignited fire in the Oklahoma fan base. And I think that's what's going to be part of what helps propel them to this bold prediction I've made of an undefeated season for 2022, because the fans on Saturday, man, they're going to be fired up. They're going to be ready to get behind the scene. And we saw it in the spring game. Brent Venables laid out a challenge for the Oklahoma fan base and they rose to the occasion. And he's, he wants Gaylord Memorial, Oklahoma, or Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium to be a home field advantage for this team. The challenge is laid out for the Sooner fan base. They've got to respond, and I think they will. If the spring game is any indication, they're going to respond. Man, uh, speaking of dunking on our haters out there for the recruiting timeline, I think you just dunked on me, man, in terms of the the best offseason moment because you're right. In, in terms of the staying power, what we're going to remember – you know, next year and the year after that and five years and 10 years and, you know, what you'll tell your kids about. And, and then, you know, pretty soon you, you'll tell your grandkids about, well, and once upon a time, Brent Venables got off that plane. And let me tell you, that airport was packed and him doing the boomer. I mean, just everything you're right about that was so magical. And, you know, just even then getting into that assembly, as you called it right there, where, he uh, informed Oklahoma fans that you're going to have a, a physical, a punishing, a relentless defense. I mean, just – and I probably totally screwed up what Coach Venables said, but just all of that after that kind of week-long uncertainty that Lincoln Riley's decision to leave put Oklahoma in, man, you're right. I mean, just that moment of Brent Venables getting off the airplane to all of those fans at Max Westheimer Airport. You know, in terms of OU fandom moments – gonna be hard for anything outside of OU winning number eight right when they when they finally get that national championship trophy back I mean that's gonna be a tough one to top yeah and I mean in season moments they to me they always kind of top the off season moments but it, like if we're looking at just strictly the off season, it, it, that one was just such a great moment for just Oklahoma in general just to bring back a guy who you know he might not have been born in Brenda sooner but he's a sooner and you know, he might not have been here for a decade, but I mean, I think everybody still felt a connection to him and he felt connected to the program. You could just tell like there was just joy on their faces with Brent Venables and then the two Joes like they were everybody was pumped. I, I still I loved, you know, the little glimpse we got to see of Venables talking to the players, you know, the, for the first time. 
that was just such a great moment as part of that whole, that whole 24 hours, you know, on this, the zoom call, um, however many players they were able to get in there, but that was, that was just super cool. I'm looking forward to making even more moments and having more memories of Brent Venable's tenure here with the Oklahoma Sooners, but that's going to do it for today's episode of locked on Sooners. Thank you so much for tuning in wherever you get your podcast and over on the YouTube side of things. We got more great content coming this week. Where we're going to break down UTEP. We'll get into our uh, game predictions for the big 12 and other big time matchups uh, this week as well, but that's going to do it for Josh. I'm John. Catch you next time. Boomer sooner.